is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by my co host, Nick and Dan. And gentlemen, a uh, little midweek update because today is rain day, Dan. Yay! <laughs> oh, my God. As our friend Jason put it, a very rainy day. Yeah. It is in Minnesota, and by rain, I mean snow, so that's cool. So that works. Are you saying that we could have some new rainy day funds, guys? Boom! Let's go. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we have to stop doing podcasts in the early morning, (laughs) east east and mid The the effort is there, albeit not (sighs) the brain. So anyways, we've grabbed Naz to join us midday, fresh off a bite of lunch, got his cup of tea, ready to go like the ultimate pro he is. What's up, Naz? Long time no talk, stranger. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Just back from Madrid, so that was fun. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw the game. It was a little matter of a game there. Uh, a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, Madrid was nice. Nice city, nice. I got pitch side as well, doing TV, uh, as well as doing my goal stuff. So it was, uh, yeah, good fun, actually, being uh, you know close to the players and, and yeah, um, seeing just a dramatic match as it was, but... You know, everyone's saying the players have played a lot of minutes this season. Five competitions, lots of extra times. They're getting tired. Somebody think of the journalists. I put in more minutes than any of the other journalists. The Arsenal journalists don't even have Europe. You know, they're, they're stealing a living. <laughs> are they? Are they giving them like second and third teams to cover, like Brighton and, and yeah. something else, just to give them something to do? Yeah, pick pick up an extra shift. You know, yeah. I, want, I want to give him a really unpleasant team to cover, like Norwich. Just you know, make him cover a relegation battle that's difficult to get to. Send him out there. That, that would be fair. Yeah, there's no battle happening at Norwich whatsoever right now. So, um, but yeah, well, anyways, as you probably are aware, we're gonna talk to Naz about continuing to talk to him about the club sale. Uh, you know, the the Rain Group financing deadline was today. We think should be. Uh, so we're going to be talking about kind of how we're feeling. Uh, we can start with some high-level stuff, right? Uh, because uh, I think we can start here and work our way down as new reports continuously are coming out, Naz. But um, not, I guess the first we can go to is none of these groups will be the same uh, as having a single owner. These are very much multi-party bids, very much... Um, you know, capital intensive bids as well as people scramble to, I think, kind of just build the biggest portfolio at this point. Yeah, you can kind of, you know, the way we sort of spoke about the bids earlier were, you know, having these people front it up, you know, like Tom Ricketts, uh, Todd Bowley, Stephen Paliuk, uh, Martin Broughton. But a lot of the time, these guys aren't even the money behind the bids. You know, they've, they've got like companies behind them. They've got private equity or they've got cash from a you know rich billionaire, another rich billionaire, or a group of billionaires. So it's um, it is very complicated. The makeup of all the bids isn't quite public. You know, we did find out uh, you know that 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 there's a there's there's a private equity firm now behind Todd Bowley's bid. I mean, they've always been uh, part of it, and and they've been quite you know transparent. But we didn't we didn't realize they were fifty percent of the bid. So. Um, yeah, with the NDAs and stuff like that, non-disclosure agreements, um, you know, it is hard to break through some of these bids and really find out the percentages and what's going on. But um, in the main, you know, the I guess the overall headline and what matters to Chelsea fans is that 
it is obviously going to be very different to Roman Abramovich with you know one owner um, and then a board underneath him. This is going to be a complex arrangement. Chelsea is so expensive that um, you know that 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 is 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 forcing people to to buy them in this way. When Roman brought che- bought Chelsea, they were worth three hundred million. Roman's done so much good work in terms of investing in the club that they're now worth three billion, and and the league itself has grown as well. So. Um, it's much more expensive, much more complicated asset to own, and and I guess a lot of these guys are spreading their risk as well because if you're putting three billion of your own personal wealth into it, it might not be a smart investment. Spread the risk, enjoy the rewards, enjoy the trophies, and I guess that's the way that these American-led bids, the four ones that are going in today, uh, final bids, of course, are going in today. Uh, that's kind of how it's working and how it looks now. I think that was the point that I wanted to underline. I think it makes it's a good thing for supporters to understand Naz and that like this is a fundamental shift. Like already, like we've been in this stasis moment, and so I think it's been hard to step back and conceptualize at times that what we will see as supporters is materially different than having a single threaded owner who owns it. It's his asset or her asset or their asset, and making the decisions. There is now a consortium, a group of individuals, there will be a controlling party or an operational leader for that bid, um, for the day-to-day operations, for the overall vision and strategy, and people will come in and sit in. It's the same like a, a publicly owned company. There's a board of directors, there's a CEO, um, and the, the CEO kind of sets the vision and the tone, but they report back to the board on how it's going. That's essentially how all these deals are going to operate moving forward. Yeah, Chelsea are moving from a benefactor model to a more normal business model. You know, it's the same as the companies we work for. Most companies have a, a structure, and Chelsea structures work brilliantly for them um, for 19 years. Doesn't mean another structure wouldn't work brilliantly. Um, it's just going to be, uh, you know, such a such a big shift. And I think the reason why a lot of these, you know, majority stakeholders, I think with the Todd Bowley bid, you know, he was the lead bidder in the beginning. And now, you know, um, the lead bidder was the one who's supposed to have put most money in, but now it's changed to Clear Lake Capital, who are a, a private equity firm. Um, but, you know, the, the bidders are having to put so much money in uh, and, you know, they've got a, a four-horse race. So it just means that more and more is being pumped in at a late stage. You know, that's why it's been taking a certain amount of time um, that, that that maybe the, the shifts and balances within the groups has changed as well. So, um, yeah, um, I, you know, in, in that case, in the Todd Bowley bid case, he'll still be the, the one leading the club in terms of, you know, the, the face of the bid. But, um, yeah, there's major finance behind him. I think the Ricketts bid is similar with, um, you know, Ken Griffin as well. It's uh, a lot of these things are starting to take shape. Uh, we finally got information from some of the bids. Before we get into that, Nick, um, one of the, I guess, discussions that is now starting to happen because these groups have all gotten now an in-depth look at the books of, of Chelsea Football Club, uh, PLC, is that um, maybe we're, you know, spending money in places we shouldn't be. You know, they're going to come in with fresh takes and say, oh, well, if we save money here, we can invest it there. You know, there's a lot of money that's gone to the foundation over the years with Abramovich. Obviously, the women's team and the academy team um, are are high levels of investment. And apparently, the academy team is something that someone has maybe circled with the red sharpie and said, we should look at this. Yeah, and as you want to talk about uh, quickly the structure of the academy and 
how it has been financed to this point and what it might look like moving forward. So everyone knows, especially Chelsea fans, everyone knows that Chelsea might have the best academy in the world or very close to, if not, you know, um, certainly, you know, that you just look across the leagues, what the amount of players that Chelsea have, have put out there, not even the ones playing for Chelsea, you know, Reese James and Mount and Callum Hudson-Odoi and Loftus-Cheek, absolute brilliant flagship players for the first team. Um, but then you're looking at Mark Gurhey at Palace, absolutely killing it. Chelsea are facing him soon. Um, Tamori in AC Milan, Tammy Abraham at Roma, uh, Liveramento at Southampton. I mean, that's just a few. Um, absolutely incredible academy and, and the work they've done over the years. But underneath that, you know, Chelsea have been spending a lot of money. You know, it's not a lot of money compared to the first team, no. Um, but it's, it's money that other teams don't spend. So Chelsea will outbid, you know, most clubs, you know, that whenever they come to the table for a youngster in the south of England, Arsenal are going to get bullied. Chelsea are going to be the first choice. Arsenal and Tottenham are going to be second and third. Uh, and then they're going to go their way down to Palace and, and so forth. So, yeah, Chelsea have been enjoying this advantage. And um, I think, you know, what I'm hearing um, is that a lot of a lot of agents are worrying that people might see this as an area to cut back because it's been, you know, a you know, major investment area for Chelsea and it's paid off. Um, so it's going to be, there might be a bit of an argument with the new bidders. Um, and of course, they're all saying the right things, you know, in their statements. You know, they're saying that we're going to carry on funding the first team to, to be successful, women's team, blah, blah, blah. Um, but there is a little bit of concern that that might be an area that's cut back. And, and even if it's cut back uh, a bit, it might it might knock Chelsea down from being a level at the top level to being, you know, just the same as Arsenal or, or Spurs or, or or those kind of clubs. So... I think that all Chelsea fans will want it to carry on exactly the way it's going right now. But um, yeah, that's probably maybe an area of worry that um, I'm sure you guys could pitch a pretty good argument to say, you know, if you were speaking to the owners to say that this, this is an area that needs to continue to be funded. That's that's called good money, Dan. That's that's good money and investment. Uh, it's, it's good money with uh, more problems, but our more problems are where do we fit them all into the team because they're so damn good? <laughs> like that's, that's the, and you look at the number of first team footballers, Brandon, who have come from the Academy, who now play in the, in Chelsea squad, um, like that right there, plus the player sales, plus the success of the Academy level. And the fact that it doesn't really hurt you to spend it. You don't get dinged for expenditures on the Academy from your bookkeeping for financial fair play all things to take into consideration. Yeah, and FFP has just been officially killed off. So, you know, the UK will have to come up with their own governing structure. But, you know, talking with Phil, I mean, the Academy's been on a bit of a slide um, as far as, like, winning trophies. Uh, but what we have seen is the players that have come out, you know, especially in the first team in the road to the Champions League last season, like, the Academy is a massive part of it. So you just have to see, you know, um, uh, you know how it plays out, but they're definitely kind of in a, a bit of a wobble right now with the the dev squad facing relegation. The 18s, um, you know, they'll be near the top of the table, but by no means are they. You know, they just got knocked out in the in the FA Youth Cup quite handily by Nottingham Forest, and it's just not really going to plan with them. They're not going to win any silver, I don't think, this season. So you know, the U19s when they play in Europe are getting absolutely smacked around the last two seasons. So. I could understand why someone might say it, but uh, it seems to have a pretty strong track record under uh, Mr. Bass. We'll have to see. Um, 
I just want to clarify now in the script, you put that they have the best contracts off Man City. Does that mean for the staff that Chelsea typically pay a lot higher for better staff at the academy, which sometimes ups the costs? No, I think it's more to do with players. So, you know, there gotcha. will be there will be costs. And Chelsea, they produce guys from under eight. They find their own guys first and foremost, but then they'll sign like Bristol City's best young player and Cambridge United's best young player and things like that. So um, they're major investments and, and only Man City can compete um, with that at the moment. And that's why, you know, Chelsea and Man City are producing the best players. Man City had Phil Foden, Chelsea had Mason Mount. And um, yeah, you might say uh, there's an accident there, but, you know, for me, um, it's it's absolutely by design. And, and Mason Mount, don't forget, he's not from London. He's from Portsmouth, south coast of England. Could have gone to Southampton Academy, could have gone to Portsmouth Academy. No, um, joins Chelsea and, and, you know, he's benefited from that. Great coaching, of course. All the facilities at Cobham are absolutely brilliant. I actually um, interviewed a guy the other day who started off in the Abramovich Academy first year when Mourinho was manager. Um, and he said he, he watched the academy transform before his eyes, you know, the the investment and stuff like that. So it isn't just on players, but um, yeah, it is, you know, the the arms race for players in this country is absolutely ridiculous and, and, you know, it's paying off for Chelsea that they get them in young. Yeah. I know uh, a lot of the bids, I feel like, especially being American owners uh, with that are looking at the money ball or, you know, data analytics driven recruiting. So I have to see, but again, everyone's going to sit down with Neil Bath and they're going to talk to him and see what's kind of going on. So anyways, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we get back, we're going to go kind of with the Pagluka update and the other bids. Uh, so thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well, it's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in. You know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and, and fat. And now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more... Uh, durable resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Again, I do it, it's easy, it's fast, it's quick. Uh, I throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work, drink it. It, it goes down quickly. Uh, and like I said, you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily. Uh, but hey, don't listen to me. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Nick, bid time. Uh... I, I can't give it to Dan. Conflict of interest here, but Mr. Pagliuca finally opening uh, the uh, the PR charm a little bit, it seems like. And he has the longest list of friends and investors <laughs> that I've seen. 
Yeah, it, it reads like movie credits. Um, but <laughs> yeah, Naz, uh, after after we spoke last week, uh, one of the themes that, that we uncovered was that we knew absolutely nothing about this bit. <laughs> um, and, you know, it seemed kind of like a an 11th hour uh, Hail Mary type of situation. But since then, there's been a lot that's been uncovered, obviously, and a lot of really good reporting that's been done on... Uh, this bid, all of the uh, potential co-investors uh, in the project, and and some words that I suppose will allow Dan to read out as a Boston Celtics fan. But uh, yeah, I, I guess first and foremost, uh, what have we found out since uh, since last week? Well, um, I guess yeah, this guy uh, Stephen Paliuka, Boston Celtics corner, he's been a bit secretive with his bids up till now. Um, but yeah, charm offensive has happened. What we've found out. I guess is um you know who's involved in it you know not it's not just him it's you know similar to the Todd Bowley bid there's a lot of finance behind it so there's a long list um and yeah I think that it's just good to know that he's serious as well I think that you know the fact he's come out it makes him seem more serious you know the more secretive you are the more people are speculating that you're not serious you know the the ones that are vocal are, are criticizing your bid on on or off the record um and and you you don't really have a a chance to fight back but now he's sort of laid his cards on the table it does seem like a very viable and strong bid um it does seem like a competitive bid i don't know what you guys would think from where you're sacks you've got the emotional pull as well of being being chelsea but um yeah that's sort of the feeling i get I'm still a few questions over the atalanta ownership you know um he owns um 55% of atalanta the uh, really good Serie A team that Thomas Tuchel absolutely adores, by the way, um, they own he owns part of that, and um, I, I think the feeling around them is that uh, he can carry on owning it, but um, you know is that going to cause problems in the due diligence stage? Um, if you don't know, the Premier League uh, are, are working with Chelsea alongside this process, so. Um, you know, the four bidders that are on the table, the Premier League are doing due diligence on them so they can come in as quickly as possible because um, speed is important in this process. It You know, the longer it goes, the more likely Chelsea are to be damaged and devalued as an asset. So um, everyone wants Chelsea to stay valuable in the process, really, um, and they're trying to move it quickly. And, and maybe that will slow it down, the fact that Pagliuca owns another big UEFA team, um, you know, Atalanta are in the late stage of the Europa League, so um, they could qualify for the Champions League through that, through league finishes, could play Chelsea, Chelsea could fall to the Europa League and play them, you know, there's all sorts of things that could go on. Um, so, yeah, that that's probably the big concern with the bid, but other than that, um, uh, you know, it looks very competitive to me. Um, I don't know if there's an emotional side to it that you guys have, but... Um, and, and, and one more thing, um, we've got to say this, and this is maybe the most interesting aspect to Chelsea fans, is that the, the John Terry-led True Blue Consortium has um, endorsed this bid. So I assume that that means that you know Chelsea fans will be able to own 10% of the club through through this. Um, that By endorsing it, they're not saying they're not going to go with anyone else should Paliuka lose uh, out, but they want to support this bid they want to show fans that that they believe this is the right bid and, and the true blue consortium you know i was i was the first guy to cover them um and they do have a lot of chelsea fans involved now 
you know, there that the bid also has some criticism about the way it's structured as well. But um, you know, they're they're trying to own ten percent of Chelsea and and give fans ownership as well. Um, uh, but yeah, that's 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 quite interesting that they've they've gone with Paliuka. Um, so I guess he might have a little in into the hearts of Chelsea fans through John Terry himself. Uh, before we before we talk about True Blue, because Dan's chomping at the bit on that, um, let's just cover off the uh, movie script of people involved in this bit really quick. Obviously, Pavlyuka. No, no, Nick, uh, Nick, you need you need to do it in your movie your movie trailer voice. In a world where there are too many bidders for one entire bit of Chelsea Football Club. All right, uh, then you have. Uh, who's now affectionately in the article known as Mr. Tannenbaum, uh, who's a Canadian sports mogul uh, and apparently friend of Dennis and the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, who's our buddy couch critic, uh, joined by other leaders in business, media, and technology, including, but not limited to, uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger, uh, renowned journalist Willow Bay. That's so weird. Uh, Facebook co-founder and a guy you haven't heard of since the social network came out, Eduardo Saverin, uh, businesswoman Elaine Saverin, B Capital co-founder Raj Ganguly. I don't know how to say that. Sorry. Uh, co-owner of the Golden State Warriors and Los Angeles Dodgers and Los Angeles Football Club, uh, Peter Gruber, who a lot of people highlighted the other day as, as a very interesting part of this. Uh, global venture capitalist Jim Breyer of the Breyer Capital Group, uh, investor John Burbank, and serial tech entrepreneur uh, Div Tarakia. Uh, so there's a ton going on here, uh, Dan. Uh, I Just a sec. How is that Los Angeles Dodgers board meeting going to go next time when either Todd <laughs> or... Uh, my, minor, minority stakeholder. Like, it, it, it is just a... Yeah, he wasn't invited. He wasn't invited to the party. Still, you know, so you're still trying to get the plus one if you don't get invited to the party. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm, this, this, I'm 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 a date of the other person. So here we go. <laughs> so I'm here. Yeah, interesting. Hostile takeover incoming. Uh, but anyways, uh, Dan, you were gonna say. Well, I think the the interesting thing is the addition of uh, Tannenbaum and the. I mean, he's he's super sports connected. So if you're talking about adding, you know, sports experience on top of sports experience, you know, you get the entire. Um, you know, he owns 25 percent of, uh, or he owns or chairs the Maple Leaf Sports uh, and Entertainment Group, which includes the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, the Toronto MLS team, um, in addition to a whole host of other things. I mean, he was instrumental in bringing the Raptors to Toronto. Uh, he's just yeah. If you if that's part of the bid and that's a criteria, that's gonna bring some serious kind of capital. Uh, obviously, well respected in the NBA, uh, and sort of on the the board there. So and and then just the the Saverin thing was the most incredible one, and I appreciate people uh, bringing out the Andrew Andrew Garfield memes uh, to help support the uh, the announcement of his inclusion. So uh, well do- well done, internet. So just to kind of tie off on the Pegluca bid, you know he. Talked about how he was at the uh, he wished the team very uh, very much luck in the Champions League match. Uh, I appreciate the luck; it didn't really necessarily pan out. Uh, he did get a chance to witness the six 0 win against Southampton, so probably uh, increased the price of his bid right after he saw that, uh, which is good to see. Uh, but he kind of talked about how just his ethos has been to operate quietly with integrity, let his actions uh, speak loudly, 
And he did want to clarify to ensure supporters about the bid group and its commitments to emphasize how seriously they plan to take the potential uh, responsibility to Chelsea. They want to make strategic investments. They want to support players and managers, make sure that Chelsea are habitual winners and contenders in the Premier League, Champions League, or the Women's Super League, highlighted as the only Super League that they intend to compete in, which was uh, a nice little underline for Chelsea supporters. They'll also continue to invest in the Youth Academy and develop the stars of the future. And would not be in this process, would not have an exciting, inclusive vision for Chelsea. They talked about focusing on uh, the cherished uh, traditions, similar to what they've done in Boston. They just want to focus on positive impact to the academy, along with the supporters' trust, uh, uh, or sorry, the foundation. They want to make sure that Chelsea is the pride of London on and off the pitch. Um, And then they want to see the commitment and hope to stay true to the values. And they also believe that the fans serve a world-class stadium. So that's kind of the the highlights of the message, but uh, definitely felt more fully formed in this iteration, Nick, than it has uh, up until this point. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to hear from him. (laughs) You know, talk about... uh, New new bid, who dis? Yeah, talk about showing up fashionably late to the party, Naz. I mean, this is... um, it's it sure is interesting. I mean, I I didn't even know what to expect coming into Wednesday or Thursday of the final week where bids were due. Yeah, it's like it's like WhatsApp where somebody leaves you double blue tits and you're like, oh man, come on, reply, reply to me. <laughs> um, and then yeah, eventually they get back to you like two weeks later, just 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 at the last possible minute, and you're like, oh yeah, thanks for that. Finally, um, yeah. So that's basically what Palyuk has done to Chelsea here, but. Yeah, it's fine. He's in in before the deadline, so I guess may the best man win, you know, in a way. So I think this provides some clarity, too, about the the bid group as well, because Peg Luca was always kind of like the unknown uh, bid in this race. We finally have some clarity about that, which, you know, I think Matt Law also said, too, as we're talking to everybody we can about covering this, is that, like, he must have had a substantial bid for him to even make it to the final. But the problem is, you know, rain group and transparency. We've talked about this, you know, it's just not there. So, okay, whatever, fine. We get it. I do think he's kind of hitting on like the four main talking points that everyone is like, everyone is very much on script when it comes to how they're going to take care of the club. So, you know, I, not much in there for me as far as like they're doing the the basics and, you know, to Dan or to Nick's point, uh, better late than never uh, on this one. But uh, again, we're covering as statements come out from all the groups, covering them one by one. So it's good that we can finally add some context around Pagliuca. You can find it on social media. It's all all out there. Um, as we're kind of talking about, these are going to be all cash bids. It won't be leveraged buyout. They're not going to put a bunch of shit debt on the club. Like Naz, you know all too well with Manchester United. Uh, we're going to be bringing in, um, I guess they have to essentially prove that all of their cash financing is secured. Roman wants to make sure that the, Whoever comes in has the best possible option, like ability to be good stewards of the club, but we don't know if they will do that. Um, but now we have more information. We talked about Bully earlier with the Mark Kleiman Sky tweet coming out that Clear Lake Capital is going to be the majority owner, but Todd Bully is going to run the operations. Any updates from you on the Bully bid, Naz? Yeah, it's just, um, I guess the Bowley bid's just, you know, just kind of revealing the structure of it. But in reality, I think they're the ones that we know the most about and probably the most popular. So we'll see. It's like you said, I think that a lot of these guys are offering very similar things to Chelsea, um, you know, talking about stadium, investing in the first team academy. Sometimes it really comes down to, you know, from a fan perspective and, and who you want. And the reason Bowley is popular is because he owns the LA Dodgers so uh, they're a good team 
he's not too much of a horrible person. Um, and we'll see. You know, it doesn't mean that he'll be a better owner or a worse owner for me. But um, I think that's the reason he's popular is that he's he's already running a successful sports team. And and if you've got the luxury of choosing him, we mentioned Manchester United. They didn't have the luxury of choosing their owner, you know, but um, Chelsea do because they got four guys. Man United were also publicly um, list, you know, a public company, so you could buy the shares uh, and and force a sale eventually. So um, with Chelsea, you just got to convince Roman Abramovich. Um, I, I I have heard money is a big part of this, so we'll see, um, you know, who who can who can bid high and what the end, you know, the price will end up. If it's over two point five billion, which a lot of people. Think it will be two point five billion pounds, three point three billion dollars. Um, then it will be uh, the the biggest ever sports team acquisition, uh, in history. So, um, Premier League overtaking US sports there. Um, so yeah, with the with the Bowley bid, I don't think there's um you know there's there's a major update apart from Clear Lake Capital owning fifty percent of it, which are a huge huge private equity firm. 60 billion under asset. Uh, Nick, the, the valuations really fluctuate in this. I think Rain and Abramovich have always been shooting for three. I think a lot of analysts and other people, you know, are trying to bring it down to two. It sounds like 2.5, 2.75 billion is going to be about the mark. Um, I'm impressed that, that they'll get that much for it. You know, distressed asset, geopolitical implications. He has to sell it. But for whatever reason, it seems like rain might be finally earning their commission in terms of roman's viewpoint yeah i mean rain's job is to create the most competitive atmosphere for for bids i mean that's that's their entire purpose and that's why they're going to get paid 30 or 40 million dollars out of the sale from commission um but i mean i think that's the the really interesting part of this now is you know not only where Dan, the final kind of amount comes in, and let's just call it two point seven five billion for for shits and giggles here. But it's also about the final process of getting the club sold, and that was finally, I think, illustrated this week. Um, I think between the Times and Forbes and a bunch of other uh, financial publications about where the final decision is ultimately going to be made. So I suppose it's worth talking about that. Well, I mean, we think now that Rain makes a recommendation, right? Like, hey, here's all the data. Here's what we found out. Here's the bids. They're really great. Uh, all of them are probably within the range of half a billion, I would imagine, to maybe even 10, you know, like a, a tenth of a billion in terms of total difference. And then it's like, based upon all the other criteria, the rubric you gave us, here's the pros, here's the cons, uh, and this is what our recommendation would be based upon everything that you put together. And then it's up to the board, Roman, and others to make a decision on who that final bidder is and then submit it to the government to begin the sale because you're now selling a asset uh, and you need the licensing uh, to be able to be provided. And so I think at that point, Naz, I mean, you probably have to feel good that the final decision maker isn't rain because of the, uh, the the conflicts of multiple conflicts of interest that they potentially could present. Um, not to say that we all don't have our own implicit biases that we have, but it feels like there's at least some more control, particularly with seemingly reports from the government saying that they'll probably be happy with any one of these four. Uh, they're just happy that it's going to be done. And one less thing for them to worry about amidst a whole other list of problems they probably would 
have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I know the government's copped a lot of criticism in this situation, but they just don't want to be involved. You know, if this goes well or badly, they don't want to be seen as helping Chelsea. They don't want to be seen as hurting Chelsea. They just want to be as at arm's length as possible, make sure that certain things don't happen. Um, and then, you know, like you said, the border, really the ultimate decision makers, which is a bit strange. I do think there is a, a slight conflict of interest there, like, um, you know, like the Ricketts, Got to meet, you know, uh, Bruce Buck when the others didn't, um, uh, you know, early uh, in the process. And now they've all met Bruce Buck and uh, the rest of the board um, to sort of, you know, present themselves and, and, and also learn more about the business because, you know, they might they might want to pour over the accounts like we said earlier. Um, so I think that, you know, that, that process, you know, is, is, is a bit flawed, but it's, it's just such an exceptional situation um you know who who you know usually roman abramovich would decide i think he will because who are the board you know bruce books is a former lawyer um you know marina granovsky used to work in sivnet you know they, they are basically they are an extension of roman abramovich so it is basically roman deciding it and um you know that makes sense um sounds like he'll ultimately pocket the money in my opinion um, that's just my opinion you know the government and and um, and people like that are all saying that he won't get the money. But I think eventually, once sanctions are over, and who knows how this longest war is going to go on for, I think he might be able to get hold of this money. And, and Roman's losing a lot of money during this war, so maybe he'll want it, you know. No one wants to turn down £3 billion. Um, I wouldn't. I'd, I'd be pretty interested in having that if anyone wants to give it me for my coverage of Chelsea FC. Um, so, yeah... Uh, I think that I could understand that Roman gets the money eventually, even though, you know, we're in a strange world right now. Um, so that's kind of the situation here. Um, I hope that it it all works out for Chelsea fans because it's such an unprecedented territory um, that, you know, we won't really know what, what the decision's made, why it's been made. Um, if certain decisions are made, fans could go on and protest for the next year. You know, when Man United got taken over by the Glazers, the, the United fans have been protesting for years and years and there's talk of it coming back. So is this ownership going to create a whole new um, shitstorm if it's a, if it's an answer that Chelsea fans don't want? So um, very interesting times. I don't think the story is going to end um, when a new owner comes in, um, and yeah, I think that you know we wanted the new owner in by the eighteenth of April. I think that ship has sailed because the deadline was pushed back to today when we're doing this podcast on the fourteenth of April, um, and now it's projected to go on until May as well. So uh, yeah, it's um, there's there's no you know there's an end in sight, but we even though the final bids are coming in today, um, we don't know the exact you know date that, that the decision will be made. It it will take some time and. And then the Premier League needs to do their due diligence as well. I think that's it for me, Dan. Rain has to approve of you. The Abramovich team has to approve of you. The Premier League has to approve of you. The UK government has to approve of you. And most importantly, we wish the fans have to approve of you. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of steps to these things. Well, it's very atypical in the way that this type of transaction occurs. We've had a chance to do our own due diligence as supporters in a way that maybe you wouldn't have done in other scenarios when you just find out, oh, hey, something has been sold and it's done and you don't have an opportunity to weigh in. And this has been a very public experience for a lot of people who typically would, 
I would imagine would like to remain private in these type of affairs and have not enjoyed uh, the additional scrutiny of being told that uh, they should not spend their billions on something that uh, they want uh, because we maybe have disagreements as supporters on on that we think that they should be able to do it. And yeah, it's been... I think we'll look back on it and feel, uh, hopefully years from now, feel really good that it, it transpired and provided a positive end result and maybe took Chelsea to a new level. And if it didn't, uh, we'll look back on these moments as just being another chaotic moment in the, the history of Chelsea because it all bounces and swings on the pendulum. All right. Uh, lastly, in all transparency, uh, trying to give everyone as much uh, time as we can, Nick, it sounds like... Um, uh, shift in strategy, you might say, from the no longer Ricketts bid, if I am allowed to frame it that way. The Ricketts Family Investment Group, Brandon, I think is what you meant to say. Um, and by family, they mean uh, as many billionaires as possible uh, in one group. They're, they're, uh, they're trying to... Uh, <laughs> it's the bid where if you're here, you're family. <laughs> you're here. You're, you're the, we're going to call it the Olive Garden bid. Um, that's what we're going to do. Uh no offense to Olive Garden, obviously, which uh, <laughs> we need to say for legal purposes here. But uh, yeah, so Ken Griffin and Dan Gilbert Naz have been more public over the last week, as I think there seems to be a concerted effort, not only for the Ricketts to dec- disclose kind of the levels of funding within the, the bid itself, but then also maybe put a a different face on the bid. Um, it's confusing, though, because the the money guy in, in Griffin and the money guy in Gilbert have different skill sets. Obviously, Gilbert is a sportsman. Uh, Ken Griffin is not. He's, he's more of a, a um, private equity guy. So uh, there's there's a bunch of stuff going on there. And then that would still put the Ricketts as the the face or the or the operational arm of, of this bid, even though they're not putting in as much money. So. Any thoughts on on the updates that have come with the the Ricketts, Griffin, Gilbert? Uh, if you're here, your family bid. Yeah, I think I think you summed it up really nicely there. But uh, yeah, I think that all I would add is that I think guess the reason the Ricketts are, are sort of the face of the bid is that you know they they do know sports and um, they do know some of the issues that Chelsea uh, need to resolve, like the stadium having having addressed a very similar situation. I mean, they've had their architects for the uh, Wrigley Field uh, Stadium um, in the media quite a lot um, doing stuff. So, um, yeah, they've, they've kind of pushed that. And, and I guess I think your take is quite right that they're, they're pushing the money behind the bid as well a little bit. You know, having Dan Gilbert and having Ken Griffin kind of release statements, they're a very statement-heavy bid, Um you know, just to show that um, there's more, there's more to the bid than the than the kind of unpopular face of it, because they they've kind of, I guess they've kind of failed in their public relations campaign. Um, you know, to be to be frank, really, because you know they've got. You know, if I do a tweet about anything, there's still rickets out is uh, coming underneath. You know, my tweets and stuff like that, and. Um, so it just it does show that um, you know that, that they remain unpopular. They've They've had all the private chats with Chelsea, with the the fan groups. Um, a lot of NDAs have been signed, so you've not heard a lot about those those chats. And um, and Paul Canaville as well. I know he was uh, impressed uh, with the Ricketts family and what they want to do with Chelsea. Said you know that Tom was very impressive. We've also 
Um, heard from Laura, don't forget as well, who's um, who's another face of the bid. Um, Laura, the the uh, sister of Tom Ricketts. Them two are the two in the Ricketts family who um, are the most visible. And she went she went with Tom to uh, a Chelsea women's game as well. Um, there was a photograph of them sat there. She released a statement. Um, explaining how she's an LGBTQ activist, you know, there's a lot of uh, concern um, with fans about their their record on diversity. You know, comments from their father, which were Islamophobic. Um, so I think she wanted to, you know, she's clearly, you know, quite a quite um, you know a, an ethical person. You know, some of the money that she puts into into you know causes in America are really important, and she's a really important LGBTQ figure. So. Um, yeah, I think that they've really pushed to try and change the you know the image of the bid. I think they've been a bit successful in the last week or so, but I'm still getting a lot of no to rickets. Maybe not as much as before, but um, yeah, that's kind of I guess where we're at with that bid now. And um, yeah, I always saw them as a front runner because they seem to have a relationship with both Rain and Bruce Buck, uh, and also uh, Roman Bramovich because Tom Ricketts is met Roman Abramovich and um, been at Stamford Bridge with Roman Abramovich. So, um, yeah, the, there's kind of um, a few factors in this bid that, that kind of sets it apart from some of the others. So, I don't know, do you guys have um, a bit of an assessment on the feeling of Chelsea fans around this one? I don't. <laughs> I, I think it is incredibly mixed. And, you know, I think this whole week, to me, has seemed to be like the you know, show us your cards type of scenario. Like we would just would like to see what's on the table and how it's all going to work. I mean, I, I still think there's a significant uh, risk in, in a lot of the, the kind of core principles this bid has, but you know, there are a lot of folks looking at clearly like capital and the bully bid going, well, isn't this kind of the same thing that your, your majority of your, bid is not going to be the front person of your bid or, you know, say I w- would guess it's the same with most of these things actually. So I, yeah, it's, it's very challenging to, to sort through, but that's just my take on it. Brandon, I, I don't know how you feel. Um, this is a funny game. You're playing Naz. I refuse to pretend like I can speak on behalf of Chelsea fans. Cause I will get torched on Twitter. Uh, but I think Nick's right. Um, Different people are looking at it from different lenses. You know, some people just want the most money behind the club at all costs. You know, other people want there to be a little bit more strategy between like, oh, they have property development, you know, sports management experience, you know, all these different types of things. And I think we have a lot of the things, you know, the the, the Pagluca thing, it still surprises me that with that 55% ownership in Atalanta, that that doesn't seem to be a big red flag. Um, so like, he's always the one I hit that bid, always just like, I'm always looking for more to try to understand it, but you assume they're vetting these things and don't see it to be a big issue. So they must have proposed something that is deemed acceptable by Rain and probably UEFA and the Premier League for a solution. Um, but it, it definitely seems like the Sir Martin Broughton bid is is really just tailing off at this point. Um, so I think that's it's just interesting, you know. It's like, have you guys seen the TikToks where the guy puts like all the cars on the treadmill and they're all like shooting up and back? It's like these bids at one point have all been front runners. Um, it's just it's it's evolving every single day. I I wouldn't be surprised if the bully bid or the Rickett bid, Ricketts bid. To me, they're kind of the the two side like two faces coin. Like they're gonna it's gonna be flipped up, and there's either gonna be justice or injustice. 
And then there's the Pagluca bid, which is seemingly felt like a wild card, but, you know, now has moved into a sustainable kind of structure that I think we could all get behind. And then the Broughton bid would feel like a complete out of left field type of situation. It would be the absolute, it would be the stone cold stunner in the moment. He just like came out of nowhere and dropped the other bids. And I just, I just, I couldn't see it happening at this point. But uh, again, I'm not in the rooms. So that's just where my external view is taking me. Yeah, the Broughton bit. The Broughton bid's quite interesting as well because um, you know it's almost like the Stephen Paliuka bids jumped ahead of it in the transparency league table. Um, and uh, yeah, now we're now we're asking more questions of the Broughton bid, like what's going on with um, you know Harrison Blitzer. You know they they're big in sports management, but they also own part of Crystal Palace, Chelsea's next opponents. Um, and it's going to be an interesting game on Sunday. Uh, with Are those guys going to attend the game? Are they going to get booed by Palace fans? Is there going to be banners? Palace fans are very organised in that kind of way. Um, you know, what the Premier League going to say about, you know, guys divesting from one into another? Is that why they're quiet? Um, you know, we also know that Catalina Kim, the um, Korean uh, sort of investor, which has a lot of Korean companies behind her, she's an agent, but she's like moving a lot of Korean finance. We don't know where her bid has, has has landed. And a lot of these guys have released statements except for the Samart and Broughton bid. So you'd expect that maybe she's with them. Um, so there's a lot of like questions around that bid. Um, and it, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's it, I guess I get, agree with your take there, Dan, that yeah, maybe, um, maybe, maybe feels like an outsider right now, but, it's re- it could be like WrestleMania, you know, Stone Cold could return and, and hit a stunner and, um, you know, that would be very Chelsea. The overlap between football and wrestling in the UK is amazing. Like Lee Parker, <laughs> you, I just feel like we keep running into it. Um, anyways, guys, that I think that's going to wrap us up for this one. Uh, Naz, is always a massive thanks for jumping on. Look, goal.com. You if, just go to goal.com. You can't not find Naz on there. All right. A lot of stuff that he's putting out. Uh, Twitter is the best way to get all of his updates. Um, what did you pass like four million tweets the other week, Naz? Oh, I don't even know, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm, speculating. Uh, I'm, still, speculating. I'm still behind Romano, but I'll, um, I'm pushing. <laughs> no worries at all. Uh, but anyways, Nick, Dan, and I will be back with just more content. We we're expecting to not have a podcast as of right now tomorrow, but we know that that will change. We will all be up at at whatever hours <laughs> of the morning to to break. Uh, whatever news uh, happened overnight. But anyways, uh, much, much more contact or content uh, over on Patreon as well. So if you're just dying for more, go check it out. But again, huge shout out, Naz. You're doing an amazing job. Keep up the hard work. Like as Chelsea fans, I will speak on behalf of all of us at this point. You're crushing it. Thank you, sir. We we owe you about 10 or 15 beers in one sitting when we get over <laughs> there. So well, let's let's book that time now. Better build my stamina then, bloody hell. I, I tried to in Madrid anyway, so I can assure you that. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, Chelsea fans, that's going to wrap us up. Uh, but until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.